Hi, and welcome back to the DC Fempreneur podcast. Today, we are talking to Mary Sue Dahill of MSD Advisors, very well known as a technology matchmaker. For those who are wanting to automate those tedious administrative tasks using technology that is customized to your business and your needs, but avoiding the high cost of hiring. So today, Mary Sue and I are going to take actual questions from local entrepreneurs that are interested in learning more about what Mary Sue does. And we are going to talk all about some tips and tricks about how to really use technology well for your business. So Mary Sue, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So um, obviously, for all the listeners out there, a lot of us are come from all different walks of life. We have a variety of different you know, education and degrees, but um, I think it's pretty well known that a lot of women don't go into the technology or STEM field. So what made you decide that this is something that you really wanted to do? Actually, I have a bachelor's in English, so it was I kind of fell into it, but I was working at a government contracting company, and I was the front-end support with the client, and I got really tired of having to answer questions why things didn't work <laughs> that I had no control over. So I eventually worked myself back to being a coder on uh, this financial application and um, went into software testing. And from there, I worked at Blackboard for a long time, which is a lot of people have gone to college today would have used Blackboard. Yeah, I think a lot of our, I mean, our for, kids. Yeah, yeah, people who are, have kids. Yeah, all, everything is posted to Blackboard. Yep. So um, that's where I got a lot of my experience. And I worked in the software development team, but I've always been a translator for the tech, super techie to the business people. Okay, so you speak our language and their language. That's right. So you're the in-between. <laughs> got it. Okay. Um, and is it, you also have a master's of science in IT. Where did you study? Yeah, I went to UVA, actually, and oh. did like a little executive program for a year. It was, it was really awesome. Um, and that was now almost 10 years ago wow, <laughs> that I went okay. through that, but it was a great program. And I, to be, it's really funny, I used more of that that I learned in school in what I'm doing today than I did before. Yeah, and most of us can say that we don't really use our degrees, but right. obviously it's, you, you chose well, like you went into a field that... Um, you know, because my master's is in education. And, you know, here I am uh, as a community integrator. Um, I wouldn't say that I really use my my degrees in that way. And my bachelor's is in psychology, which I think <laughs> is good for people skills, but um, I'm certainly not. Yeah, I'm it's not, not directly. But yeah, you're it's not direct. It. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so how do you keep up with the trends of technology constantly changing? I mean, once you know, 10 years ago when you finished your master's degree, everybody in business used one thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then they're probably using completely different tools now. So how do you stay abreast of like the lo the the hot it thing that people want to use <laughs> or put into their business? Well, I do a lot of listening when people, and I ask people what tools they use. So I, I, one, I don't try to know everything. I mean, I think that's kind of impossible with today's constant change, but I always ask what tools people are using and then I go look them up. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't just pass by the information. And um, when I look up one tool, I definitely go down a rabbit hole and looking at multiple ones. But sure. I use, I use G is in George to the number crowd.com as the place I go to get information on tools. 
Cool. What say it again? G Crowd. G two Crowd. G two Crowd. So okay. it's a crowdsourced review of software. So it's like a Yelp, but for software. That's right. That's kind of cool. awesome. <laughs> I wish you had thought of that, right? <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd be retired. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So one of your um, like titles that you give yourself is a technology matchmaker, which I think is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I like it. I think it suits you. But tell us like what that means. So what that means to me is that when I work with mostly solopreneurs or micro businesses is that they're coming to me and saying, this is what my business does. These are the problems I have. Mm -hmm. And um, just like a matchmaker for a partner, I will go and do research and look at, you know, what are the tools capabilities? What problems can they solve? Um, And I also evaluate the person's ability to use the tool because you can always have a super complicated one or a simple one. And some people prefer the super simple. So um, I match it up based on a couple things. That's really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So for somebody who comes to you and says, I want to launch an e-newsletter for my business, and based on what you've learned about them already, they're not incredibly tech savvy. Right. So what would you say is the most simple one to use? <laughs> well, I think everyone wants me to say MailChimp, and I can't say I love it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's got a free version, and if you're willing to figure out how to use it, um, it's a good tool. But I prefer um, Active Campaign because I find the user experience very intuitive and clean, mm-hmm. um, makes sense what you're supposed to be doing, and it has a very low-cost um, version. But MailChimp is fine, but what about mid of the road? So like somebody who um, can't, you know, maybe they've used MailChimp before. Maybe like you, they don't love it. So what would you say is if they think maybe active campaign, because I haven't even checked out active campaign. And you've said that to me multiple times <laughs> that you really like it. Um, and there are other business owners I've met that have extensive um, networks and they do a lot of activity and they use active campaign. So, I mean, there's a lot of just email marketing tools like Constant Contact, AWeber, um, and they have a list of your contacts, but they're not a CRM. Active Campaign costs the same amount. I mean, it's not maybe a little bit more, but it's not that much. We're talking like five dollars a wow. month. Wow. Okay. Um, and it has a robust contact management as well as the email marketing and the ability to, you know, group people by accounts like their business. If you work with a business that has maybe five contacts for that business. Okay. So you're, so you're saying basically that active campaign does more, more than one function. Yeah. And that's what I prefer are tools that do more than one function because you're getting more value out of the money that you're spending as well as you're not having to learn multiple tools because everyone's going to have a place that they keep a list of their contacts. And if it's a different tool to what you're doing in email marketing, then you know, there's two things you got to learn now. That's right. Yeah. Cause I was using HubSpot, I think for a little while and I know they can send individual emails, but I don't know if they will do like real marketing campaigns, like, a, like MailChimp can. Oh yeah. HubSpot does. It's just their model is to me more of an enterprise model to really get a lot of the email marketing and automation have to be at a much higher level, which is very costly. Okay. So it's a good tool, but it's probably not the best for a solo printer. Gotcha. Okay. So at what point in someone's, okay, so actually let's think about it this way. So most of the people that are starting a business, they think they need a website, right? Mm-hmm. They think that they need business cards, but what is it somebody who's starting out? What do they really need? So the two things I think you really need are a domain name 
So not your website, but the thing that says www.msdadvisors.com. Sure. So that you could get a business email, which um, will say Mary Sue at msdadvisors.com. Because that is your is a great marketing tool. You can put your email signature in there. That is the first and most important marketing tool that you have. And then as you develop your message and everything, you can you could develop a website. But to me, the website is probably third. Gotcha. Okay. So what is your like preferred email client then? Yes. So um, I prefer G Suite, which is Gmail for business. Um, Outlook would be my second Mm -hmm. for business as well. I would not purchase any of those open source or no name email clients that you can get through uh, when you purchase your website. There's a lot of them that will set you up with like network solutions, I think gives you an open source email. And then you're really limiting your business because it doesn't integrate with other tools. And when you want to use free tools or very low cost tools, G Suite has a lot of integrations um, that you can leverage, which you cannot do with some of these no-name brands. Yeah, I, I really like Gmail. Um, I like the way that they have it set up. And I do like, I'm probably one of the only people that have ever heard of Streak. Um, because every time I mention it, they're like, what's that? But I like it that it's free. And I like it that it works really well with Gmail. But I use Outlook for my DC Fempreneur email. Um, but it doesn't have the same feel, I think, as Gmail. And I think that the search isn't as strong Um and I don't think I know how to do the folders as well. I don't know. I guess it's just about what you're familiar with and how often you use it. Yeah, I was actually on Outlook when I first started my business. And then last Christmas time, I had them move all my content over to G Suite because I felt like there were more free um, integrations with Gmail or lower cost ones. Okay, just, like give me an example. Um What's a good, I use several. So I use like Grammarly. Mm-hmm. What, um, is, what does that do? That, if you're writing anything, it actually reviews your, what you're saying. It's not just punctuation and grammar. It's kind of looking at the style that you're writing in. Okay. I like <laughs> you that. You can actually say what level style you want your I won't need that because I'm a, not, I'm a yeah. Nazi when it comes to grammar. <laughs> <laughs> I need it. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. I use Calendly as my online appointment scheduler. And there's a um, link in there so that when I'm in my email, I can actually easily include my available times in an email. I love Calendly. Yes. Thanks and to you. I now I use that. <laughs> Active Campaign has um, an integration. Everything has an integration with with uh, Gmail. Yeah. Okay. Including Streak. I don't know. I don't think that they even have a Outlook integration. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So at what point is it worth it to pay for G Suite? Like how do you know you're ready to invest in that? I think that's one of your first investments. You buy you buy your website domain, which is about $20 a year. Mm-hmm. Then you buy your G Suite, and that's about, it's like minimum $6 a month. What okay. is that? $70 a year. So you've just spent $80 to kind of define your business. Because if you start on your personal email, then it kind of continues because now you have all this histor- history in your yeah. personal email that how do you move it to a business one. So it's just a good place to start. Yeah. I think whenever I see a business, even if it's a brick and mortar business and it's very well established and they have an at Gmail or at Yahoo, I'm always thinking to myself, wow, they're not, it's not, they're not taking it. Yeah. It's not very professional. And when you get into email marketing, if you have an at Gmail or at Hotmail, it 
will raise the likelihood that your email will become spam. Yeah. So. Yeah, because I noticed that, like, um, at least for me, like when I started using the the D- at dcfempreneur.com, um, I was able to kind of kind of break off and separate using my personal Gmail that I've had since 2003 um, and my business account, which the DC Fempreneur, I was able to really kind of almost segment my, my separate lives right. instead of using them for all separate things because things really do get lost in the shuffle. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's really helpful. So what about, um, how do you know when you're ready to pay for or upgrade for something? Like I have the very basic free Calendly um, plan, mm-hmm. but you know, there's been several instances where I think it would have been helpful to have, uh, maybe more than one event type or something like that. Like, how do you know when you're ready to start paying for these tools? Uh, you know, it, it totally depends, but I, I have things automated. So when I send out a certain email, it mm-hmm. will have a link to a specific event type. So like my, um, you know, schedule the kickoff to our engagement is like a 90 minute one. So I'll have a link specifically to that. Um, I have another one where it's um, speaking engagements. I reach out a lot to get speaking engagements. And so I have a link to that, which it's 30 minutes, but I don't have my availability as open as other things. Oh, I see. So um, it, I have also worked with some clients where uh, they use the payment option in their calendar, online appointment calendar. And so um, to schedule the meeting with them to do a service, they have to pay at that time. I see. Okay. So it just depends on how you use it. But usually it's when you're trying, if you're automating things or if you have recurring meetings that are different times that you just want to make easier for your clients to schedule with you. Okay. What is the tool that a lot of people you hear like clients that are using and whenever you hear it, you're like, Oh, because there's a better way or they're not, they don't realize that they're being hosed for or something like that. Like something <laughs> that you just think you're like, Oh, why are you using that? And <laughs> is, is that ever happened? Yes. So I think the one that really irks me is uh, most entrepreneurs, small businesses are using Gmail of some kind, either the business one or the personal one. Both come with forms and it's free. It is part of what you already have, but they'll go out and pay for a form software, which usually is pretty, it's like $5 a month, $10 a month for just that. Um, And you could be doing that in your yeah, because they have Google Forms. Yeah, a lot of people, because it's like when you click new to create a new one, it's not listed there. It's kind of below the fold. You have to click on more. Mm-hmm. I don't think people look beyond that. So, well, what kind of form software would people pay? I mean, like a Survey Monkey, like Typeform, um, Web Merge. I mean, there's all kinds of, oh, really? and they're very. They could be very expensive. Yeah, Typeform. I was looking at because I want to create a quiz for my website. Yeah, and it does have a lot more features, but I'm like. Do I want the features for $20 a month or would my Google form just be, okay, I just got to come up with a simpler workflow? Okay. So most people do not need the... the So instead of Typeform, can't somebody just, if they're using WordPress, for example, like I use WordPress for my website, and can't they just use Gravity Forms or Ninja Forms? Why do they have to use Typeform or Google Form? Yeah, they don't. Yeah, you can use, there are, all I'm saying is... uh, Forms. There's so many options. Look at the one that's already part of the tool you have. That you're already paying I mean, for. Yeah, I'm not a web 
web WordPress person, so I wouldn't know what the different tools are. But what do you? How do you host your website? I use Squarespace, and okay. there is a form capability on there, so I could use that too. But it doesn't have the quiz feature. I've met a lot of people that use Squarespace, and yeah. uh, you know, you, we get really used to what we use, and so it scares me sometimes when, like, somebody approaches me about helping them to revamp their website or build their website, and. Um, if I haven't done it before, I'm really nervous because I don't, I think it's different. You know, every, mm-hmm. every kind of tool is, is very different. So, um, actually we have a couple of questions that our, um, DC Fempreneur members have called in and left a message for you. Oh, great. So we can, um, listen to those and, um, we'll go ahead and we'll record, you know, your response so everybody can hear the question and then your response. And then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about, um, maybe somebody who's transitioning from a solopreneur to maybe working with a team member or two, like how to integrate some tools when you're starting to work with a team. Okay. Sound good? Mm -hmm. All right. Hello, my name is Amelia. I have a question related to how to automate follow-up after networking events. So I go to a good number of networking events. I have business cards and I have not necessarily met somebody who has a business card scanner as well as a follow-up and nurturing sequence that works in real life. I've met lots of people who talk about how theoretically HubSpot will do this. Um, They have like a scanner, um, a business card scanner, and I've heard of other apps. I've heard of some people using DeSapo to uh, have nurturing tasks. However, I have yet to meet somebody who actually can talk to how to use um, both the scanner as well as something to automate nurturing tasks. So I'm definitely open to hearing about how to automate follow-up after networking events and specific examples would be great. Wow. Okay. That was a very serious question. Yes. (laughs) I don't even know what a nurturing sequence is. (laughs) Fill us in. So a nurturing nurturing sequence is just a series of communications that you send out. That's all it means. Oh. And it's just to nurture the relationship forward. I like that. So Amelia, I do have a system for you. Um, I actually wrote a blog post about this back in January, and it's called Connecting After Networking Like a Boss. So that's kind of the basics. Um, So first, I like... CAM card, which is a business card scanner. And I would say it's about 80% accurate, depending on the complexity of the business card. So you do have to edit it when you put it in, make sure it's right. Um, The other one is, I think it's A-B-B-Y-Y. That's the other, that was more expensive. So I picked CAM card because it's like maybe $60 for the year. Um, It syncs to my Google contacts. And then I use Zapier to zap the contact into active campaign. So that's how I get these people's names to the place they want it to go. Um, From there, I have an automation that reminds me that I have to assign a tag because if you look at the blog post, there are three ways that I kind of respond to people I meet at networking. One is there's somebody that I feel like a coffee would be good or an additional 30 minute conversation would be a good um, next step. There are some where it's just like, it was great to meet you. you know, I'd love to stay in touch and there's no necessarily action. And then the third is I just connect with them on LinkedIn. So I assign which automation they're going into in active campaign. 
Um, and then my nurturing campaign. So I have a coffee. I call it coffee. Cool. Um, if they're in my coffee campaign, it sends them an email with a special link for coffee. And it has a couple options of where I like to meet for coffee. And then um, it will actually listen to if they've scheduled the meeting or if they've replied. And if they haven't, it'll send two additional messages to them. So you can make that however complicated or personalized you want. Um, but that is how I've automated the whole networking follow-up stuff, which I think works really well. I think that sounds amazing. Okay, so let's recap. So you have a business card. You um, you use CamCard. Uh-huh. Okay. Then it goes directly into your Google Contacts. That's right. Which is connected to your Zapier. Yep. Okay. And Zapier takes... It, it knows to use When there's that, a new contact, yeah. it'll zap it over. It will zap it over and it will either, you have to tag mm-hmm. whether you want it to be coffee, stay in touch, or LinkedIn. something else. Yes. Yeah. There's no automation on the LinkedIn, unfortunately, but at least I know what my next action is. Okay. That's really <laughs> fantastic. I, I know that you've talked a couple of times uh, since I have known you about Zapier, mm-hmm. but I don't know what that is. Um and it intrigues me because you've mentioned it a few times. And to me, if you've mentioned it, it's probably something I need to check out. You do need to check it out. So when you learn how to use Zapier, you're going to be like, how did I do work before Zapier? Just like Allenly, um, it integrates two technology tools. And the best way to think about it is your administrator, Somebody that you would say, could you please enter these business cards into this system? And then um, since these two systems don't work together, enter them in that system too. So Zapier will, when you make a change, a lot of it is based on contacts. I put my contacts into my Google contacts. When it sees a new one, it'll zap that same information over. And I just have to line it up like first name to first name, last name, last name, all those pieces of information that I want in both places. Okay. So this is probably a good follow-up question for Amelia and all of us who actually do network. What is the proper etiquette you think for when to send that nice meeting you? Let's (laughs) uh, either meet for coffee, right? If that's your, that your, that's what your tag was. So what would you say is a good um, timeframe to do the first reach out? I try to do it the next day. Whoa. Yes. Um, I I am never that fast that it is later that evening, but I think that's a little too fast. Like if you just meet them and then all of a sudden you're starting to get yeah. emails, that's I, too I fast. feel it's, I, yeah, I, I get really turned off if I, because I've been to a networking event where literally I'm driving down the road to get home and I already got a text message from them inviting me to coffee to, you know, quote, learn more about my business. And it really, it really frightened me because I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I've now just given every person I've ever met my cell phone number. (laughs) Um, So I'm thinking I'll probably need to set up like a Google voice or, or something like that. Mm. But I love that you have all of that automation Mm -hmm. set up. I also have it set up. So it's only going after 9am. Because, you know, I'm about getting work off your plate and having freedom to do other things. So my automations, I don't want them running after like 8 p.m. at night, you know, because that to me, it's maybe it's even earlier. I think 6 (laughs) p.m. That's your family time, your personal time. I like that. Okay, that's great. So I think we have one more question and then um, we'll come back. Hi, this is Krista Davis. 
my question is for Mary Sue's podcast. And I was wondering, in a day where we spend so much time emailing, right, writing emails, responding to emails, does she have any tips and tools on how to automate our email responses? Thanks. Okay, that's a really great question. Yes. So best practices, Krista. Um, First, Google Mail and Outlook both have email templates. So I think it's if you have recurring emails that you're sending, create an email template. Um, That makes it easy when you go to write back to somebody that's like um, they wanted to get together for uh, a meeting. You can have an easy response that says, and here's my link. Right there. So you don't have to do much. As far as um, automating that, it's best when you have a call to action. So like on your website, you have a contact me page and they put their information in a little message. Um, If that if they do that, you can have an auto response that says something like, um, you know, the next best step is to schedule a 15 minute consultation. Um, Another is if you post stuff on social media and they want to register for a course, you can have an auto response for that. So it's easiest when you have a clear call to action and then you can automate the next steps after that using a a tool like ActiveCampaign. Um, And I know the websites are starting to also have email marketing in their tools, so that could be an option too. Yeah, I mean, I guess if she's a, a life coach or she's working with a lot of clients, she probably has an idea of the the typical questions that she gets. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe like you, she's meeting a lot of people networking and just needs a system to set that up. So Krista, um, I would definitely go back and listen to what Mary Sue said Um about setting up your automation for, you know, your business cards and, and working through that. I thought that was really helpful. Like, I'm going to write it all down. <laughs> uh, I think these are really helpful tips. Okay, so now that we've had a chance to hear from a few different entrepreneurs about their spe- uh, specific questions, what I really want to know is what your discovery process is. So if you meet somebody and they're really interested in, maybe they've come to your workshop or they've listened to one of your speaking engagements and they're really interested in what you had to say. And they've reached out to you and said, I really want to learn more. Tell, walk us through the process of how you work with someone brand new. Sure. So I always start with understanding their technology profile. So what technology are they using today? And then um, we don't have to spend a ton of time on that. It's just more the lay of the land. And then I ask them to walk me through their pain points that they have in their operations. Where do they feel like they're spending a ton of time that doesn't necessarily bring in more money, mm-hmm. but is, is taking away from that? Um, and I walk through the main operations of any business. So um, I don't spend a ton of time necessarily directly on marketing but it's more like networking, prospecting, what is your sales process? Mm -hmm. Um, How do you onboard new clients? The contract to payment process is another one that is a pain in the butt. (laughs) Um, And then the service delivery, because some like Krista is probably has a program where people go through the same kind of content in a, let's say a three month period. Maybe you have information that you're sending out before each meeting. That all can be automated as well. And something 
Um, I've worked with some coaches where they have that information, but because they have it on their to-do list, we're not consistently doing it. So they weren't, they had an intention, but they couldn't follow through on the intention. And so those are the things that I look for. Um, from there, depending on what technology they already have or what they, you know, their pain point is, I may do additional research on technology that to purchase for their business. And I bring kind of examples and I do little videos for them to see how it works. Um, and then we make the selection and we move forward with actually automating um, the pieces of that we're implementing. And I try to do it in like two week sprints. Um, you know, we pick one thing and make a decision. We implement it. They've got to review it. And then we finalize and move on to the next piece. That sounds fantastic. It sounds like something I really need. And I know you've, I've said that to you. We have times. to schedule the intensive. I know. I'm excited about that. Two full hours. I'm going to leave that on fire. So um, I think Krista and um, Amelia both get that intensive for put, uh, sending in their questions. But um, so how else can somebody work with you? I mean, besides going to your, your website, how can somebody like find to find you to work with you? Um, well, I'm on Instagram. I have a Facebook group, uh, page as well. And um, on my website, I do post the events that I'm going to be doing. Um, and I have a series that I'm doing with uh, Workaway Solutions in Springfield. And we're going to be first talking about automation, kind of the big picture. The next one, we're going to be going into Zapier and people that join, Lisa, will be able to set up <laughs> Zaps. Um, and then the third one is actually setting up an automation. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And I know that, um, I mean, I, I love Susan and Workaway Solutions. I spend a lot of time there. Um, but of course I can go ahead and mention that like we've already, we're getting ready to launch the first mastermind, which will start on Thursday, which is very exciting. Um, but we are eventually going to be, have our own technology mastermind. Yes. So tell us a little bit about um, what you think that mastermind will include. Will it include like setting up somebody like me who needs to do all of this, like um, working through the process? Um, I mean, because masterminds are supposed to be small, five or six, but what can really be done in a small group setting like that? Uh, well, first, what I want to do is have everyone think about their technology profile, their strategy around that. Because regardless of if you know you have a technology strategy, you have one, just based on the tools that you've selected and mm. are using. Or um, not using. Or not using. And then um, from there, I want to define some of the processes you would use in those operations areas that I already talked about. Okay. Um, and how the technology can support you. Because I think a lot of times... Um, what I've seen is that you don't know where to look, you don't know how to set it up, um, and so you just do it the easiest way you know how, which is usually more manual than it probably needs to be. Yeah, I think I'm probably in that category. I mean, we're getting ready to launch all of these new levels of membership, and it's going to put a lot more work on my plate, a lot more people requesting to add their stuff to the blog, right? a lot more people wanting to schedule podcast interviews, a lot more people that are, um, you know, going to be wanting to attend events. So I'm going to need a lot more of this automation. Yes. Even <laughs> just for the blogs, I already know, you know, that's when you should get pay for the Calendly so that you can have like a podcast request. Slot. Yeah. And then you can use Google Forms or 
Microsoft has forms too to ask the questions you need for your podcast interviews. Oh, yeah. okay. So I should set up, I should upgrade my Calendly mm-hmm. to have m- several event types. Mm-hmm. And then when somebody wants to request a podcast interview, they can go to my Calendly link that lists podcasts and they can see like how I basically like to record on Mondays Yep, and then release it on a Tuesday or whatever. Yes. Ha. Huh. I like that idea. Yeah, because I've been struggling with how to do that. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with a blog, right? So I could have a a blog calendar saying I will accept, um, you know, new articles or whatever for, let's say, a Wednesday release day. And then they can sign up for whatever date they want for the blog. Mm -hmm. (gasps) I love it. (laughs) That's a great idea. (laughs) Okay, well, what else is out there besides Calendly? Are there other systems that people use other than Calendly that are similar? Um, acuity scheduling is another one, uh, schedule once there's actually a ton of online appointment schedulers, but I would say acuity and Calendly are probably the two that I've seen the most. Yeah. That are more frequent or the, just that you like better. Uh, they seem to be the more most used. Calendly is a great intuitive user experience. So Mm -hmm. very easy. Acuity has more or different capabilities. It is more complex. Like you can sell a package. Like a coach would be a great example. I'm selling a package of six um, meetings with this person to coach them on their career or whatever. So you can send them a specific package link and it won't let them schedule more than six calendar appointments. Oh. With you. So, you know, that one has different capabilities that are beneficial. Okay. I don't think I'm quite there yet. <laughs> I don't think I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, thank you again for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, And I know that you're really super active in the DC Fempreneur community. So I do appreciate that. Thank you. Um, And of course, you know, if you're not already a member of the DC Fempreneur Facebook group, you should definitely join because that is where you get um, all of your engagement. We really are working really hard, I think, to build that community. Right now, I think we're almost to 545 members now, um, which is insane to me, but that just lets me know that there really is um, a need out there, you know, for, for community, uh, I mean, to provide community for entrepreneurs. And um, it seems like a lot of us do a lot of these things on our own and we don't really rely on each other or we don't tap into everyone else's skills and knowledge. And so that's one of the reasons why I think I, really ask you all the time for what you think about something or what your suggestion is, because I don't have your background and I don't have your knowledge and skills. I certainly don't have a master's (laughs) in science and IT. Um, But anyway, so uh, thank you again for your time. And I will be sure to put in the show notes um, how listeners can can find you and information on that two-hour intensive. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. Thank you.